the title of this sermon. Thank you, Arlene, for sending it, putting it online. And the title of the sermon is Joint Heirs Today. And the nugget is life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. That's powerful. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. And I think about our soul, our mind, will, emotions, and intellect when I think about this. How do we respond? The whole, it, that's, you know, in James it says, James 1, it says, count it all joy when you encounter diverse tests and trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And we're to count it all joy when these things come at us. But most of us murmur, 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 and what happened? They murmured and that big hole opened up and there they went. And so, thank God we're covered by the blood, but God does not like murmuring and complaining one bit. And so, 10% of what happens to you and 90%, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how we respond to it. How do you respond to it? The best thing way is to keep your mouth shut and start praising God that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek you. And what I do or I try to do is just take it to him, cast it at, on him and say, Jesus, you know the answer to this. I do not know the answer to this, but you do. And so I'm going to praise God because I know that the enemy's coming against my faith, not me. Let's turn there really quick. You all know this, but I think we need to be here, here about it probably personally every week. I don't know about you, but I talk to, I don't talk to myself, but I remind myself of what the scripture says. And whenever you're going through a bunch of harassment, which we really are right now, we need to learn to count it all joy and the world's going to act like the world. I'm just going to tell you that. It's going to act like the world, no matter what. That's, that's all they know. And so in James 1, it says, James, a servant of God, verse 1, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So it's your faith that the enemy is trying. It's your faith that the enemy is coming against. It's your faith that he wants. He knows that Jesus has you. Of course, he'd like to try to get you back, but if he can blow out, blow you out at, immediately, the Bible says the immediately when the word is spoken, the enemy comes to steal it. And so what's he trying to steal? He's trying to steal what you just heard. Okay? So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for the privilege that I have this morning to preach the Word of God, 
Your word says to preach in season and out of season. And I thank you that this word that is preached will fall upon every, all of us, good ground, good soil, and it will bring forth a mighty harvest. We're not going to allow the enemy to steal the word of God. Say this with me. I'm not going to allow the enemy to steal the word of God from me this morning. So understand he comes immediately to do it. And so you're going to have every opportunity. Know that you're going to have every opportunity to uh, have the enemy coming at you trying to steal your faith. And then it, I'm going to read out the Amplified real quick. Um, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials or of any sort or fall into various temptations. So this is something that we all have to deal with. I'm not the only one. We all, we all deal with temptations. And usually the temptations that we deal with are things that we've had to deal with before. You know, I've been counseling for 30-something years, and when people come in, it's the same thing every time that hits them. Almost 99, nine-tenths of the time, it's the same thing that the enemy tripped them up in. So if you know that you have a flaw or a weakness, it's just like a paved road. You know, when you go out on a, paved, on a road and it gets a pot in it, a pothole in it, well, you know what happens. Every time you hit it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, that's how these areas are. And we have to fill these areas with the Word of God. Many people say, well, I made it through this one. And don't fill it with the Word of God. But today we're going to learn how we are joint heirs with Jesus. We're going to learn how to walk as He did on the earth. And trust me, the Bible says that He was tempted tempted in everything that would ever tempt man. So we know that he was able to win the fight. He won the race. He came here as a man, not God. That's what a lot of people don't realize. They think, well, he's God. He can just do anything because he's God. He chose to come to earth as man, man, God, but he did not rely on his the God part of him at all. He had to rely on the Father. He had to rely on prayer. You know, he was constantly praying. So we need to realize that he overcame the enemy and he's teaching us how to overcome the enemy continually. So it said, be assured and understand that the trial, trial and proving of your faith bringeth out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let that endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. You know, when you go into a trial, that's how you want to come out of that trial. Not just come out completely safe from it you want to there's something that you're learning here and you may as well learn it that's the problem that most people have they don't learn what has happened 
and they're just very grateful that the thing's over with. We need to learn what caused it, like the Lord showed me years ago. Don't just keep taking down those cobwebs. Go after the spider. If you go after the spider, the cobwebs won't be there. Once you kill the spider, there's nothing unless another one comes along. If you know you killed that spider and another, there's more cobwebs than there's another one. Amen? Okay, so. Remember, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. So, say something came and a, a test and trial came and how are you going to respond to it? According to what we just read. We're going to count it all joy. And we're going to stand on the word. And we're going to let patience have her perfect work. And let endurance and steadfastness and patience have, have full play. And do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking in nothing. This is the place where God says that we come, can come out or will come out if we do the right thing, lacking nothing. The reason why most people go through that trial over and over again is because they don't deal with a thing and really take a hold of the word of God and deal with it. Number one, they don't get joyful. They murmur and complain and start rebuking the devil and self and whatever. This is something when a trial comes and if you've been in it more than once, if, if you've been gone through the same thing more than once, you need to realize I have not completely fulfilled what I need to fulfill to be able to operate in Christ the way he desires me to operate. And we're all going to have tests and trials. Not a one of us is free from it. How many realize that? Even if even if you're not serving God, you're going to have tests and trials. So you may as well serve God and have the ammunition that he gave you to be able to take on those tests and trials and deal with them. Amen? So imagine yourself in a new perspective. All circumstances and situations that have dictated and complicated your life no longer have any bearing or control over you. Not, you have to see yourself there. You have to see yourself on the other side because the Word of God says, as we're going to learn here, the Word of God says we can. The, the Word of God says that we're more than overcomers through Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We are more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Why? Because he fought the fight. All we have to do is follow in his footsteps. Praise God. And many, many times we think that we're the only one that's facing this kind of a battle. Trust me, there are others that are. That's what happened to the prophet when he thought he was the only prophet. He learned a lot. He learned differently that he was not the only prophet. Amen. So there are many people that are going through this. And one good way to deal with these things when you're going through them is to pray who, who, for whoever else is going through it. Amen. So 
We need to imagine ourselves or see ourselves in a new perspective. All circumstances and situations that have directed and complicated your life no longer have any bearing or control over you. If the one of the songs we sang, sang was Jesus did it, he paid it all. He paid every bit of it. That's powerful when you think about that. Everything's, everything has been taken care of. Everything. But we have, to, we have to rely on him. You know, it really bugs me when people say that Christians are weak. No, we're not weak. We're willing to stand up and fight the good fight of faith. Amen? What a blessing that would be walking in complete freedom, not having a care in this life, but enjoying the abundant life. This almost sounds impossible. To many people, they, this sounds impossible. How am I going to do this? What am I going to do to, to walk in this excellent life? Well, follow Jesus. Paul said, follow, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. And we know the kind of life he lived. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten. He was left for dead. You know, people are going, I don't think I want to do that. Well, if it comes to that, you have to do that, then you'll be fine. Amen. Those that were martyred for Christ were happy, happy to be martyred. I mean, that's kind of hard for most of us to sit here and think. You know, there's Christians in other countries that ISIS is cutting their heads off of. Praise God. Well, the truth is that this gift is, unbelie is as unbelievable as it sounds is available to the Christian believer. But due to our lack of perception spiritual discernment and lack of inattention, our focus is misdirected to the circumstances and the situation that leads to doubt and confusion into our lives. You know, what the enemy wants to do is, is well, I don't catch mice, but um, I remember one time I was teaching uh, in a Bible school that Pastor and I started for gentlemen in Oxnard and I was teaching and this mouse ran past. Well, I personally don't like mice. And um, one of the men got up and chopped its head off and then the mouse was running around with no head. <laughs> you know, I don't know what was worse, was the mouse, mouse with the head or the mouse without a head, you know? Um, so we need to look at circumstances as overcomers. I remember that clearly. Like the nugget that, can, that was just presented before you respond in a correct manner. When we respond in that correct manner, it can change the circumstances and situations that you encounter. It's a whole mindset. You know, so many people, when they go through something, they say, I knew that was going to happen. Well, then their mind's been on it, pulling them, pulling it towards them. 
the Lord told Joshua, do not fear and do not be dismayed. And we know that dismay is something that hasn't happened to you, but you're, you're concerned that it's going to happen. Hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. You know, I've heard people say, I just know it. I just know it. And when it happens, I just knew it. Well, you called it in. You called it in upon yourself. How does the Bible tell us to counterattack? Counterattack to keep ahead of all circumstances and situations. Let's look at Romans 12:1 and 2. I know you've heard all these scriptures, but are you operating in these scriptures? Have you learned how to counterattack? Are you doing it? You know, you can really tell by people's prayer requests. When a person has sat and thought out their prayer requests, they have scripture with that prayer request. So they have taken the time to go and find scripture that they're standing on to attack that situation with. That's very important. Usually when people say, I'd like you to pray for me on such and such, I will ask them, what scripture are you standing on for this? Because it's up to us to do our homework. Everybody say amen. I'm talking to every one of us here. You know, as a husband and wife team, <laughs> I know Pastor and I have done this many times and um, confessed things out of our mouth that we really shouldn't be because when, you know, life is 10% of what, of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. And uh, when we've spoken things that were not in line with the Word of God, the other one will ask them, is that what you're believing for? You know, at first, that can make a person very irate. <laughs> Trust me, I just asked for prayer, you know, or whatever. So, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Is everybody there? I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Thank you, Father. For, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly and he ought to think, but to, but, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. If you are born again, every one of us, the day we got born again, we were given the measure of faith. Now, what do we do with that measure of faith? We either, even, either say, well, that was nice, or... You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
hearing and hearing and hearing is how faith cometh. Right now, faith is literally being pushed out to you. Grab hold of it. Don't let it wander by to the person next to you. You grab hold of it for you. Amen. I appeal to you, brethren, this is in the Amphite, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and its faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service. And do not be conformed to this world age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves. So we are to prove for ourselves, okay? Not, you just don't take what I say. You go back and you study it. You be like the Bereans. You study what the Word of God says. Okay. Um, be transformed and changed by the renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. For by faith, God's unmerited favor given to me and you. I warn every man among you not to estimate himself, but I want the black bottom. According, um, but to rate his ability with sober judgment to each according to the degree of faith apportioned. Well, the degree of faith was apportioned to every one of us, what we do with it. If we know faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God, then we know the more word we hear, the more we are going to be built up in faith. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you want to please God, you've got to have faith. And if faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then you're going to have to hear the word of God to please God to have faith. Amen. Okay. Um, first, first, is to renew our mind to the things of God. Without this, you will remain the same and have the same mindset. Stop. Go back. Without this, you will remain in the same. You will remain the same and have the same and do the same. So you'll just remain there doing the same thing. Christianity is from glory to glory is changing us. Something good is going to happen to you today. Do you believe that? Say it. Say it to the person next to you. Terry, something good is going to happen to you today. Why? How do I know that? Because the Word of God says it. I'm not going to tell you something that the Word of God does not say. I mean, I grew up in a church. Well, I didn't grow up in a church. I grew up as a heathen, as, as heathen as you can get. But the church that we went to, they said all these things were no longer for today. Well, I found out that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. So I literally pretty much had to 
reprogram my mind because I listened to what the, what those were teaching and were telling me. And you need to study it for yourself. When you know that you know for yourself, nobody can talk you out of it. Amen. First Corinthians 2.16 tells us we have the mind of Christ. Do you know? I mean, when we think about this, we have been given the mind of Christ to think through and operate through. First Corinthians 2.6. Think about that. Two sixteen. I am so sorry. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know. You know, my old thought pattern, my old life pattern. It certainly didn't run towards the things of God. We all start out that way. I don't care who you are, whatever. We all start out that way. And unfortunately, many times people are born again for years and years and years and are still in that same boat. Why? Because they have not taken the word of God, put it in them, been doers of the word that they hear. You know, just do one thing that you heard this week. Amen. Count it all joy. When you encounter divers tests and trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, let perfect patience have a perfect will, that you may entire wanting be entire wanting nothing or lacking nothing. You know, the twenty-third Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or lack. How much more can a person that lives in the twenty first century 21st right i'm thinking here how how much more could you desire than no lack in any area he leads me beside still waters if you're being led beside something that is not still that is not peaceful then it's not god leading you okay so we have the mind of christ we've been given the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. So we have been, I mean, salvation was wonderful. But the mind of Christ, to think through the mind of Christ as Christ thought, is so powerful. There's nothing that is impossible to them that believe. I think it's three or four times Jesus said, nothing is impossible. The things impossible with man are possible with God. So anything in the natural that looks impossible, that is possible with God. I don't care what it is. Jesus went about healing all who were sick, casting out all the devils. He went about doing good. God is a good God. I heard something, I couldn't believe it. I heard somebody say recently, 
it, as a Christian, if you did not vote for one of the candidates, that God was going to place a curse on you and your children were going to... I, I just I couldn't believe it. God doesn't place curses on us. He does not place curses on us at all. Amen? My God is a good God. My Bible says God is... He's good. Every perfect gift has come from the Father of lights, and a curse is not from God. Praise you, Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.15. If I told you who said it, you'd probably fall off your chair. We have to really scrutinize and check the scriptures in the day we live in because many are being deceived. Study and be eager to do your uttermost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing rightly, handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth, but avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Check this out, church. But avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. So it's our mouth. It's part of life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, words can really sting and, and hurt. How many have ever had words told to you and it stings and it hurts your heart? I mean, it totally hurts your heart to where... You just want to give up. I mean, I'm going to put it bluntly. But God is greater. And so we have, to, we have to be on guard. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I just am so grateful that God loves us so much that he gave us the proper tools. Study to show thyself approved unto God and a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Praise you, Father. So it's essential that we become a student of the Bible. It's essential. We must know the tools of our trade and be successful. You know, if you're, if you're a roofer, like my, you know, is a roofer, he, he, he's getting up there on somebody's rotted roof. I mean, think about this. He's got to know the tools of his trade. He's got to look at that roof, be able to look at that roof and, and know there are weak spots. Because he has fallen through before, am I correct? It's not some fun thing. I mean, how many go to sleep and then have that stupid dream where you're falling and you catch yourself before you hit whatever? I mean, he's got to be able to, I mean, I'm sure after the first fall, 
there was things that changed in your mind when you looked at a roof. Am I correct? Yes, he's saying yes. Pardon? The what? The ground gets there quick. You know, that's, but we need to know the tools of our trade. And as Christians, we need to know the tools of our trade. We need to, how to, how to know how to wield the word. Not to harm someone, but deal with the enemy. Jesus said, I have made you more than conquerors. Now go out and deal with it. That's why it says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then it tells you exactly what to do in Ephesians 3, 6. Stand. Do what you need to do, but stand again. I believe it's 3, 6. Stand against this and that and that. Put on the shield of, uh, the shield of, of faith, salvation. I mean, everything, every part of you is covered. Amen? And make sure you deal with the backside too. Here are essential truths we must know to be established in. We are the sons of God. Uh, imagine working on a, I can't read your printing, honey, on a computer that, the what? Second Timothy 1.15, it's under that, but... Pardon? Okay. Here is essential truths we must know to be established in. We are the... You're going to have to help me on this. We must know the tools of our trade to be successful. Not having the proper tools for the job is frustrating, annoying, and denying respect, honor, and dignity. Okay, and then you've got in writing, imagine working on a computer with some keys not working. Okay, got all that. I couldn't read his printing. I could read his typing, but I couldn't read it. He does my typing. I couldn't read your printing. I'm sorry. Here are essential truths we must know to be established in. We are sons of God. Thank God we're a family here. I can't help it if I can't read the writing. Um, Romans 3, 3, and 4. <laughs> Some prayer requests, you've got to pretty much decipher things out. This is not on the original. He wrote some things in, so. And my husband is a real good printer. Romans 3, 3, and 4, but. And I know one thing. If he put it there and he changes notes with me, he wants this part said. Amen? So, Romans 3. Okay. What advantage, then, hath the Jew, or what profit is there in circumcision? Am I in the right place? Mm -hmm. Romans 3. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> For what? 
If some did not believe, Father, then just thank you, all confusions. What if some believe? Some did not believe. Shall their unbelief make their faith of God without effect? Oh, forbid. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in the saints and mightest overcome when thou art judged. I'm going to the Amplified, you guys. I can't. What if some did not believe and were fully and were without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and his fidelity to his word? By no means. Let God be found true, though every human being is false and a liar, as it is written, yet you may be justified and show to be upright in what you say and prevail when you were judged by sinful men. So hallelujah. Romans 8, 15, and 7, 15 through 17. For all men, verse 14, for all men who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For this, verse 15, for the Spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit producing sonship, in this bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. You are the children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his, his heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his sufferings if we share his glory. So he says we are to share his inheritance with him. That's exciting. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ, sharing his inheritance. Well, the greatest thing that we're all looking for if we're born again is heaven. And there's nothing left to keep us back. You know, when the rapture takes place, I don't know about you, but I'm going. I'm not staying here for any person. Philippians 2, 5. What he's saying is all these, all these laws and things that people try to put on you, that literally, um, and fears, that kept me away from God. Can't wear makeup, can't do this, can't do that. I'm like, good night. What is makeup going to matter? Amen. You had to wear nylons. This, I'm talking about that private school. You've all heard it. You had to wear nylons. So we all would take our marking, our eyebrow pencil, and put a line up our legs. But you never saw so many crooked legs in your life. <laughs> She'd stand there and go up the back of it like that. I mean, come on, folks. God doesn't care if you have nylons on or not. 
And I personally don't wear them. I don't like them. I know you men are probably going, oh, bro. well, try wearing them a while. <laughs> Colossians 2.12, just try wearing them for a whole day. I think it's hilarious these men that want their wives to get all dressed up. That's nice. But are you willing to dress up yourself? Colossians 2.10 And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Let's go up a little bit. Well, I'm going to go up to nine. Beware lest any man spoil your th you through philosophy and vain deceit after the rudiments of men and after, after the rudiments, after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So when you get born again, you are complete in him. You are, you need to see yourself complete in him. Because these little things that come and that you don't take care of them, that causes you to get down to the 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. You know, the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that eat, of, and they, whatever they do, eat, you're going to eat life or death by what you speak. Okay? Watch what you say. First John 3, 1 and 2. More so any time in the whole world, watch what you say. Because there is, you have an enemy out there that's attacking you and trying to get you to act like the world. Have you ever noticed when someone comes in after being out there, you know, when they're not used to being around a bunch of crazy people, they're irritated, just aggravated and irritated. Pray it off before you go in the house. 1 John 3.10 I know you've heard these scriptures before, but are you doing them? Amen. <laughs> 8 But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works that the devil has done. No one born begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him, his principle of life, the divine sperm remains permanently within him and he cannot practice sinning because he is born begotten of God 
Hallelujah. We must believe what we received in Mark eleven twenty four. How many can quote that scripture to me? Anybody? Can you quote that scripture, dear? I like, let's go to 23. Truly, I tell you, whosoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart at all in his heart, but believes what he says will take place, it will be done for him. But does not doubt in his heart and believes what he says will be done for him. How much of what you say do you believe? Ask yourself that. How much of what you say do you believe? That's heavy. 24. For this reason I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that this is granted to you and you will get it. The next verse in and, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against another, forgive him, let it drop, leave it, let it go, in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. Okay, this is a good example about imaginations or, you know, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against knowledge of Christ, knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This also goes along with life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. So let's look at this. When you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, let it drop, leave it, and let it go. In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you. When you keep thinking and are harassed about something that someone else did to you, I don't care if you have to go back and ask them to forgive you 70 times 7 because that's exactly what Jesus said. If it's hitting, up, hitting you up here and causing havoc in your mind to where you can't even be with the person, look at the person, then you need to go to them. I don't care if it's every time. I mean, they're not, if, if it's someone in this church, they're not going to think you're crazy. They want you to be free, but that's the only way you're going to deal with it is bringing it out into the light. He has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the only way that's going to happen is for you to deal with it. Because many, many times people don't even know that you have offended them. They have no idea that, that or they're offended with you. None at all. This is why you've got to have open communication. 
You have to. Because you know where it's, you know who's going to end up with it? You are. You're going to end up with it hitting your head, bombarding you continually. He's going to make a mountain out of a molehill in your mind. This little dinky deal mind, he's going to make a mountain out of a molehill in. That's what he wants to do. Because this, the, the mind is the, the arena or the battlefield. The battlefield of faith is in the mind. And the best way to get rid of it, if you have ought against someone, go and ask them to forgive you. That's where Jesus said seven, seven times 70. How many have ever had someone hurt you or got upset with someone and it just keeps bombarding back to you? Ask God to forgive you. If it keeps bombarding, don't talk about it, especially don't go tell someone else and pollute them. You know, look at Proverbs 6, 16, if you want to look at abominations of the Lord. When you talk to someone about else against it, then you get them stirred up and you're over it and they're not. They're over it and you're not because you were the trash can that opened up the lid. And the best thing to say is, do you mind me quoting you or do you want me to go with you to talk to that person? Sometimes you just need to come straight out with whatever and get to get out. It's like, this is the way it is. How much do you want to get rid of it? It's up to you. You want 10% or 100% of it gone? It's 90% of how you respond to it. Wow, that's heavy. And this is in red, so it's Jesus' words. Praise you, Lord. Our confession must be based on the word of God. In Jeremiah 1.12, I know we can quote that. Anybody want to try? Want to do it? You're not going to be the quarter? You refuse. Anybody quote that? Pardon? It's not going to be me quoting it? Pastor says he's not quoting it because he knows it. Well, I never mind. He didn't say it. <laughs> Either one. Forgive me. Jeremiah. Anybody have it out there? Quote it. Read it. Anybody have another version? Thank you. Heavy. He says he's watching over his word to perform it. You have seen well, for I am alert and, ha and active, watching over my word to perform it. 
So what happens, the minute we speak forth the word of God, God becomes, all ears are wide open church. Because he's ready to perform it right there on the spot. Thank you. 1 John 3.22. I'm sorry if I didn't welcome both of you here today. Forgive me. Denny, Tenny kind of threw me off with, with your <laughs> second name. 1 John 3.22. And we receive from him whatever we ask. We receive from him whatever we ask because we watchfully obey his orders, observe his suggestions and instructions, follow his plan for us, and habitually practice what is pleasing to him. Wow, that's a promise. How many want to receive everything that you're believing for? How many have learned that the best way to receive it is to stand on the word? Because he's ready to perform it. He's anxious to for perform it. How many remember when your kids were little on Christmas and you bought them a bike or something that they really, really wanted and you really, really wanted to give it to them early? Anybody ever remember that? Boy, I do. I give pastor stuff early when I'm getting stuff. I just hear whatever, because I can't stand the, the uh, waiting, the anticipation. 514 and, um, I'm sorry, verse John 514 and 15. And this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Praise God. So number one, we found out that he hears us in Jeremiah. And it says here, and we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Thank you, Father. I like the way the Amplified says it. And if we, since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and resolute knowledge that we have, he has granted us, that we have granted us as present possession the request made of him faith is the substance of things hoped for so here you have things that you're hoping for it's faith in the word of God that's going to bring it down to you so where is the key in this thing faith is the substance of of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Well, we all know that we've been get, given the measure of faith. Where does faith come from? 
hearing the word of God. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we know that those things that we hope for that are out here, that we're the things we are believing for, if we take the word of God, if we look up the scripture and the word of God and we stand on the word of God, we pull that thing in with the word of God. How many, how many like to go fishing? Anybody? I, I don't mind it, but I don't like to those. I don't like to touch it. The, I don't like to take the thing out of its mouth, the hook out, and I don't like to touch the worms and all that stuff. Okay, well, you know, you're, you go and you buy this bait. In the old days, they dug up the worms. You go out and you buy the bait. So your plan is when you go out on the boat or wherever that you are going to every, this is, this is what most of us think. Every time we bait it and cast it out there, that a fish, a big fish, is going to latch onto that thing and it's going to come to us. Is that what you believe? Or do you believe, yeah, let's see, I have um, 20 worms here or whatever. And yeah, the average of 20 is five. You know, you're out there with your friend. Well, I know out of 20 of these, I should be able to catch five fish. What are you gonna get? Five fish. Or you could have had all 20. Correct? So don't settle for less in God's kingdom and in his word. Don't settle for less. That's, God does not want us to settle for, le for less. And so many times we are. Now, when we lived out on the ocean with my parents, they liked to go fishing down on the rock on my dad's day off. And I had a collie that used to like to dive into the water where the seals were. Well, that messed up fishing. He'd go in there and the seals would be barking and he'd be barking and having a wonderful time with them. If, if they, and they knew that because they had him with them, that they weren't going to catch much fish. So you have to, when you're believing for something, you have to make everything around you perfect. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're believing for something, I mean, there's certain things you can't make perfect, but to your ability, you need to have the scripture. You need to know that it's going to take place. I've brought 10 worms, and so I believe I'm going to take back 10 fish with me. That's God's way of thinking. You're ready for 10, so you're going to get 10. That's how God thinks. Plus, sometimes you could hook two at a time, whatever, because God thinks in abundance. God doesn't think, think little. He thinks in abundance. It says in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things, think of this, above all things, that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So the more that you put the word into your soul, your soul is renewed by the washing of the water of the word. The more your soul is, is renewed and the more words you put in you, the more you're going to gain in the kingdom of God. 
And that's powerful. That's where we as believers that know the word of God need to go out every time expecting what we say according to his word of God is going to come to pass and quit speaking the negative things or the things that hold us in bondage down. Now I'm going to get into, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to talk here about something that when you're praying for someone and their will and they have told you this is where I'm at, this is what I'm believing, you know, because I usually try to get people down to where is your faith in this? Because my faith might be up here and their faith might be down here. So I tried, I, I talked to them and I want to know where are you in this? Because that way I can figure out where they are and how I can believe with them or what I can say to them to bring them up to this place. Okay. But you need to get them to be very serious with you. So you need to maybe do from one to 10. Where are you? takes time. Counseling takes lots of time. People think they're going to come and have this done in 10 minutes. It takes lots of time, but what you get out of it, what the person gets out of it, if they're obedient to what the Word of God says, they will be 100% successful. 100%. Because the Word shall not go void and, it, and God does not lie. It's just, it's, that's just where it's at. God is not a liar and his word will not go void. I mean, you cannot, I don't care what you tried to do, you could not talk me out of that. So we, we have to understand when we're praying for others, we might believe, be believing the best, but where are they? Are, do they have a poverty mentality? Where are they? Understand this. We must not compromise. To do so brings forth the circumstances and situation that lead to doubt and confusion. This is for ourselves. I don't know what you're doing when you're home. I don't know and I don't care. That's your private life. But if you bring me into it and you want me to help you out of it, then I'm going to dig in the trenches with you and do whatever I can to get you out of it and get all of them that are around you freed also. Do you understand? Okay. As joint heirs, we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, and we are going to stop now and take up later on this. Okay, let's go ahead, honey. You want to come up and do the communion, please? I'm like every head bowed and every eye closed if we could. You know, people make receiving Jesus Christ so hard that many people do not get born again because they think they have to clean themselves up before they come to him. And it's utterly impossible. You can clean up parts of your life, but it's utterly, utterly impossible to clean yourself completely up without the word of God, without knowing him. 
and the power of his resurrection. So I'm going to ask this question. The first one will be, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't do it now. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. Or if you've received him, but backslidden, and please no one look around, raise your hand. Okay. Let's all pray this prayer. This is as simple as this. Jesus said you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. He said, if you confess with your heart and believe in your mouth, thou shalt be saved. What do we need to confess? Number one, when I go out and talk to people, and I ask them, do you believe Jesus died for you? Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe he's living in heaven at the right hand of God? And do you receive him as your Lord and Savior? Do you want to know him and allow him to show you the way through life? And so we're all going to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that my sins are covered and I am now born again because I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Now, Jesus, I'm asking you to remove anything that would, from my past, that would cause me to not serve you the way you desire me to serve you. I now know that I'm washed by your blood and my name is written and will stay in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I thank you, sir, for my salvation. Amen. Pastor. The way we do communion most of the time is pastor and two ushers go up and stand with him and pass out the elements. Pastor will anoint you with oil and pray over you. And then we all take communion at the same time. So he's going to give the scriptures. Uh, we'll come back and sit down in our seats and take communion. Miss Terry will show us which way we're going to go. And just remember that you're born again. You've been washed in the blood. And this is the place where Pastor's going to read the scripture on it now. Hallelujah. Okay. Praise the Lord. This is an open communion for all Christians. So everybody that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ is can partake. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes with verse, beginning with verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, 
This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye off as ye drink it, for in remembrance of me. For as ye eat, for all, pardon me, for all, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty in the blood of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine, man or woman examine themselves, and let them eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Um, for if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So there you go. When you come up, you judge yourself and receive. So if I can have my assistants come forward. We get to commemorate the Lord's death and resurrection. And the bread that you hold, the pieces of bread that you hold, is exactly the same recipe that they used way back when. In fact, it was 2,000 years approximately before the Lord came into being when the uh, children of Israel were told to uh, eat bread, unleavened bread. This is how they uh, baked it. It's unleavened, meaning there's no... Uh, uh, yeast to make it to grow or to but the bread to fries okay thank you the bread as in your hand it has uh, brown spots maybe you have a couple of little uh, stripes in it it represents the Lord's body and the uh, when they had it at the first Passover there were three pieces of bread and they were instructed to take out the middle piece. And they always wonder why the middle piece. Is it Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or what, you know? But we know who is the third member, uh, the second member of the deity, Lord Jesus. It was his body that was broken and bruised for us. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks for this blessing, Father God, that Jesus said that we should do in remembrance of him that on his body, Father God, the bruises were to remove the sicknesses, sicknesses and disease. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks, Lord. As a token, we receive this bread, knowing that by Jesus' stripes are we healed. We thank you, Father. And as we get ready to partake of the cup, it represents, the Lord says, the New Testament. The blood that washes away sin. We're no longer stained, but we are cleansed. This blood makes us a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks.
for adopting us into the family and that our sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you again, Father. Lord. So let's all stand, please. Greet our visitors in the foyer. Amen. Okay. Father, we're praising you and we're just giving you thanks. We thank you, Lord, for the word this day, Father God. We learned about joint errors, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that uh, we begin to operate, Father God, as a joint heir in this earth. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, that as we go our separate ways, Father God, yet you have your hand upon us, that we are blessed going out and coming in. And Father God, that whatever we put our hand to shall prosper, Father God. So we thank you, Lord, that also that what we decree will come to pass because we speak your word. And everyone said, Amen. <laughs>